Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of Sabbath Talks. I'm Daryl Horn, the Executive Director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. We have a great topic lined up in this series of podcasts. This is podcast number five. Podcast number one was the introduction. Number two was common purpose. Number three, clear roles. Number four, accepted leadership. And this podcast is podcast number five, effective processes, the method of cooperation. The tool we're talking about is the leadership compass. This tool is a tremendous tool which will help you make decisions not only in your personal life, but also in any ministry context in in which you find yourself serving. Joining me in this series uh, on the Leadership Compass is a friend of mine who first introduced me to the tool. His name is Bill Hulse. Bill is the pastor of Putnam City Baptist Church, located just outside of Oklahoma City. Bill has been using this leadership compass for over a decade and has taught many other leaders, not only within his church, but also within other churches. So, Bill, once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a part of Sabbath Talks. It's a real pleasure to have you lead our conversation today on the leadership compass. It's an honor to be with you, and thanks again for all you're doing for the kingdom. Well, let's pick up our conversation where we left off last time. As I mentioned the previous broadcast, we are now number podcast number five, Effective Processes. So get us started, if you would, Bill, on this component of the Leadership Compass. Well, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, there are six components to the compass, or six directions. A normal compass, north, south, east, and west. Of course, you got northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. You've got other variables on the compass. And this compass, six directions, six things that need to be healthy. And it doesn't just go clockwise on the compass. It's six things that I'm constantly evaluating. Are we healthy in all six areas? Well, starts with common purpose. If we're not healthy in our purpose, everything falls apart. If I'm not being strategic in making sure that we are equipping to purpose, uh, I'll never accomplish the purpose in which God has called us to. And then those roles that are created, that's our strategy. If if those roles are not being spirit-filled, spirit-led roles, they won't be accepted, and then there's no fellowship. And so we never accomplish purpose. Just because i got a good structure, just because I've got a good strategy, um, if, if they're not following us, we're not getting anywhere with purpose. So all those are important. Uh, this brings us around to another component of our team health and unity, which is effective processes. Not just having processes in place, we are constantly evaluating how effective are we being. And that effectiveness is not determined by how many people are sitting in the audience how much they're giving to the mission, our effectiveness is how are we doing in accomplishing the common purpose God has given us. And I think that's a big distinction we need to make. Yes, you, you're exactly right, because we can be very busy in what we're doing, but we may not be very effective. And there are a lot of uh, ministry organizations and a lot of churches and a lot of individuals who do uh, busy work, 
and I, I knew missionaries and that uh, that we served with in other countries. They were busy all the time, but they never seemed to get anything done. They never seemed to have new believers or or new disciples in the process of of becoming mature believers or new church plants. So an effective process of our method of cooperation, but also looking at the results of, of what's taking place, are we are we headed the right direction is is a, a vital point. Um, what's been your experience on how you evaluate your process? Well, we use a tool that's very common, uh, especially in the business uh, sector, which is called a SWOT analysis, which is our strengths, looking at our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats. We're constantly watching the game films on uh, events that we're doing, programs that we're doing, ministries that we do. Uh, We don't just do ministry because we've always done it, and we don't just do ministry that Southern Baptists always do. We have to do kingdom purposes related to God's call in our life and in our ministry context. So as we look at that, we can be super effective. I'll give you an example that sticks out to me a long time ago when I first was using the Compass. We were doing, back in those days, this was in the 90s, uh, typical uh, Halloween alternative. And at that time, in the 90s, we were doing it because uh, it was getting unsafe to get candy. Back then, that's when the razor blades started showing up in candy, and parents didn't feel safe taking their kids out and their kids wanted to be a part of Halloween, but they didn't want to do door-to-door and in unsafe environments. And so the church, there was a need to provide an alternative that was safe for their kids. And we did that better than anybody in town. It was packed out. We did it in our gymnasium. We had 900 people that showed up and we had maximized uh, our facility. And it was, what do we do now? Well, The Teen Compass helped us come back in a staff meeting after that particular event, and we evaluated. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing great. Oh, man, we had our biggest attendance ever. Well, those are the strengths. That was good. What's the weakness? Well, the weakness is we're out of space. Uh, The weakness is uh, we can't help our whole community. And then opportunities started to rise, and we started talking about what is the opportunity. we went back and we looked at, yeah, maybe we were being effective in this event, but what is the purpose of the event? Well, we've been doing that for probably six to eight years, and the original purpose was provide a safe place for our church kids. Things changed in six or eight years within our community where I was at at that time to where there was a need not just to minister to our church family, but we saw a need to minister to the whole city that we were ministering to, that those outside the church also now were looking for a safe context. So that opened up a discussion where we were able to do a new purpose, same time slot, same ministry, if you will, an alternative to Halloween. But now instead of it just being to the church family, we believe God was changing our direction to have a new purpose for that ministry to be a community. And out of that, we launched the next year. We went, that's when Trunk or Treat was first coming out. Uh, we went to locations, different locations in the city where the fish were, created those. And instead of ministering to just 900 people max on our campus, that first year we jumped up to 3,000 people. 
that came through three different locations and just was a phenomenal kingdom impact. Where'd that come from? Looking at the compass and saying, okay, how's our process? What's working? What's not working? And what's God calling us to do next? Wow, you more than tripled your effectiveness just by going through the process of evaluation and using the compass. Man, who wouldn't, uh, what church wouldn't want to triple their impact they could have on the community? Well, and I tell you, we all want to do that, but without a compass to lead us there, it gets real personal. For example, people get tied to the effectiveness of what that event has been in the past. And any change or deviation from that is a personal attack. Well, before me having that compass, I'd maybe as pastor say, hey, guys, we need to make a change. We need to do this. And the people get hurt. Oh, man, he's he's destroying our ministry we've done for years. No, it isn't about our ministry. It isn't about this that works so well. It's about the kingdom. It's about God's purpose. And this compass constantly puts all of us looking through the same filter instead of personal filters. You know, you talked previously in one of the previous broadcasts about trying to take the emotion out of the the thinking through things. And what you just described is using the the compass to take the emotion out of a decision. Yes. It gives a reason outside of, no, let's just keep it this way, um, we we both know examples of churches that that could have moved on to uh, a new um, a new level of ministry, but there were those within the the church that didn't want to change anything. They you know I was baptized here, I was married yeah. here, I want my grandkids baptized here. Those types of emotions that that prohibit an effective process of thinking through the method of cooperation. You know, here in our association, uh, a number of years ago, we went through using Church Unique. We we tweaked it and went through, uh, developed a mission statement. We looked at our values. We came up with a strategy, but the uh, effective process is making sure we're hitting the target. Uh, How do we define success? And so we came up with a number of of ways to define success. The number of churches and leaders we serve was one indicator. The depth to which we serve those churches and leaders. And then also the stories of kingdom impact coming from those that we serve. So those those came as a result of of looking at our, our processes. Um any other tool you use besides the SWAT tool? Well, we use a SWAT tool. We use a brainstorming tool that we stole from Coca-Cola uh, that they do behind the scenes. It's called. It's really a brainstorming technique. Uh, it's phase one is get crazy, phase two is get real, and phase three is get busy. So in phase one, we evaluate our processes and say, okay, uh, what could we do better? What could this do looking forward to next year or uh, this ongoing ministry? How do we keep it vibrant? How do we keep it alive? Let's get crazy. Any idea is a good idea. And we have uh, a time where sometimes that's on a whiteboard. Sometimes that can be sticky notes. People writing down all kinds of crazy ideas. That all gets populated in. And then after a proper season of vetting, 
those crazy ideas, then we get real. And going back to the Halloween alternative, when we first looked at that as a staff, um, we got crazy and said, what could we do differently? We obviously can't minister to our city on this campus. It came up in the brainstorming, well, let's go where the fish are. Well, where are the families in this city? Well, they are geographically located in school districts uh, or where the elementary schools are. So I threw out the idea, just getting crazy, let's go and let's put a trunk or tree on every elementary school parking lot, and that means we have the potential to reach all the families of our city. Now, if you'd been sitting in that meeting, Daryl, you would have said, Bill, fantastic idea, correct? <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. Come on now. There you go. Come on. How you going to pull it off? <laughs> oh, come on. Now you're going to get real on me? Stop it. Don't get real. <laughs> so what happened when we got real? What happened on that? What, what, so you're bringing a challenge. What, what, what's your challenge already in your thinking? Well, just the logistics of it, having the personnel okay. and yep. then having enough candy. You know, there there are a couple of uh, pieces, like, you know, like um, here here's the purpose, going back to the compass, here's the purpose. Yep. What are the roles that we need to have or identify? There you go. Who's going to actually fulfill it? And then who's going to be responsible? Who's the leadership structure? Yeah. Now that's where the compass starts bringing clarity. So we started with the big idea. That's grand. When we got real, we said, well, we can't go. We discovered there were 16 elementary schools. Well, the reality was we can't do 16 schools next year. Maybe someday, maybe this thing will grow and get so crazy and our church grows and we reach more families and we can, but we identified what's a reasonable goal for the first year. We picked three strategic locations. We said, we can do three. So when we got real, the big vision became more clarified vision because we could do those roles. We could equip three campuses. Uh, we found, And what we ended up doing, we didn't end up even going to schools. We ended up doing a location downtown at our campus. That was one. And then Walmart super centers were just coming online and were the big buzz of our town. We had two super centers. And one of our team members had seen as they were checking out that they were doing free candy in their lawn and landscape on Halloween night. Well, guess where all the fish in our city were going to be on Halloween? They're going to be there. So we approached Walmart and said, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to have all these people coming your way. What if we strategically partnered together? Would you allow us to set up a trunk or treat? We described it. We did a full presentation to their manager and said, we want to come alongside of you and multiply. Uh, And so they did our advertising for us. Every customer that came through Walmart was receiving a deal. Hey, I can show up at the Supercenter with my kids. It's going to be safe. They brought the audience to us. And we were in their parking lot, and all of their kids poured out of the lawn and landscape over to ours, which was set up right next to them. And we were able to connect with our community, and they knew it was a ministry of First Baptist Church. And that's how we jumped to 3,000 people. All of that came out of a brainstorming session of getting crazy, get real, and then get busy. That's amazing. That's an amazing story, Uh, being able to work or partner with uh, a business in town. What what are the challenges you see of, of leading other people to think outside the box? Because sometimes... We get in a rut, and it's difficult to think out of the box. What what have been some of your most effective ways 
of leading a team to think outside the box? Great, great question. One, the compass forces me to lead our team to think outside the box. If I wasn't worried about effective processes, I would never look at our processes. We just do what we always do. And that's what a lot of ministry teams do. They just do what they do. Occasionally they might try to tweak something here or there, or somebody in the church is upset and this or that, and that's what drives them to, the compass drives me uh, in direction because it's biblical principles and it forces me to think that way. Uh, But one, I have to make it safe to dream outside the box. Two, I have to provide some tools to our team because they've not been used to thinking outside the box. So we have the get crazy, get busy, uh, or get real, get busy, and sometimes I have to put that up on the whiteboard and say, guys, here are the three things we're going to do today. Remember, we've done this before. Phase one, get crazy. And phase two is going to be we get real. Phase three is going to be get busy. Right now, it's brainstorming time. Let's just go. Be as crazy as you can be. What would you do differently? What would you do? Now, it's got to relate to purpose. It's got to re- we got to define our purpose. But once we know our purpose, what's, what's something fresh or new? And, and you just open it up and you just make it available to be crazy. Um, well, go ahead. I think you said something very, very important of it being safe to dream, creating an environment where you encourage people to think outside the box. And it doesn't mean that every idea that comes along is going to be the, you know, the the best one. But it does mean that giving people permission to to look at a better way of doing something or a more effective way, uh, just creating the environment, I think, is very very important. Without a doubt, go back to my example when I brought up the sixteen schools. It would have been very easy for the whole team to say, Bill, that's a stupid idea. We can't do 16 schools. And they could have just crucified that uh, input or that idea. Now, instead, every idea is a good idea in phase one. Any idea. Because, one, it may not be the idea we go with, but it may foster somebody else's thinking. It may open up, like, oh, man, based on that, what about this? Here's what I know. If me and you are in the room... Daryl Horn is the smartest person in the room. What I know is if you and I are in the room, we are smarter than Daryl. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yes. I believe in tapping into the collective brilliance of the team. And me spending time with Daryl is iron sharpening iron. If I'm doing it on my own, I get only what I can do. If we only do what Daryl does, we can only get what Daryl does. But when we come together as a team, we always accomplish more together Everyone accomplishes more. That's the acrostic for team. Some of the most effective organizations are the organizations that gets everybody in the room, and they say best idea wins. It's not the boss is going to pull rank on everybody. It's we're as a team, and we collaborate as a team. And even if the boss throws out an idea, which I've done sometimes, it's not the best idea, but we're not going to do it just because the boss said it. We're going to take the best idea out of our group, and we're going to massage it and make it a win-win for everybody. That goes back to the environment of of creating a safe space for everybody to think. Um, <clears throat> some people have uh, don't feel comfortable in places like that. Then you have other personalities. That's why they get up and come to work every day is because they, they're they able to work in an environment where 
I may not have the best idea, but at least my boss is going to listen to it, and somebody else might uh, throw something to it. Also, in the brainstorming, I've, I've seen over the years the get crazy part where um, <clears throat> you put a whole bunch of ideas on the board. Sometimes you can categorize those those ideas into groups. Sometimes yes. they're very similar, and you can take three or four different ideas because they'll fit together, and you create a better whole for everybody or, or for the the idea that comes out of it. Without a doubt. And you get ownership. We yes. heard from God, and this is what we need to do, versus me walking in the room and say, guys, we're not doing Festival like we did last year. We're going to now go, and I tell them what to do. Now it's my vision, not our vision. And somebody once told me nobody washes rental cars uh, before they take them back because uh, <laughs> it's in their car. They don't care about it. Uh, I want our team to know it's our car, it's our vision that the Lord has given us, and we discover it together. And with that ownership comes more engagement, more personal investment, and better shepherding. So as we wrap up our conversation on effective processes, what should be our takeaway from this piece of the leadership compass? I think one is, are you creating an environment where it's safe to evaluate what we're doing? Are you constantly watching the game films? Uh, No Super Bowl team ignores the game films. They do their prep. They uh, take a look at everything they can to be as successful. Why do they care more about their result than we do kingdom results? We should be just as dedicated to being as excellent at what God has called us to do as any organization on the planet. Even though we're not an organization, we're the body of Christ, we do have a calling on us. And so um, I I guess my uh, encouragement would be don't ignore, don't uh, let this fade out with the busyness of your task. This is critical important that every chance we get, we need to evaluate how effective are we at carrying out God's common kingdom purpose for our team. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. It's podcast number five. We're talking with Bill Hulse from Putnam City Baptist Church discussing the leadership compass. If you don't have a copy of the compass, please go to sanantoniobaptist.org. You'll find that on our landing page. Bill, once again, thank you for your time. And for those listening, we will catch you on the other side. When we look at uh, solid relationships, the climate of cooperation, that will be podcast number six. We will talk with you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.